Hello, everyone, and welcome to the video return to YouTube with Lockdown Guardians and your host, me, Jeff Ellis, as I have been for the nearly 700 episodes of this show. That's right, all 700, this person right here. Now, for a bit of a time, I was the doing this while I was also the lead draft and prospect analyst over at 24-7. Uh, before that, I was at Scout, where, fun fact, I was the replacement for Kylie McDaniel, huge shoes to step into. Uh, if I'm being honest, I don't think anyone could have filled them, but I did the darndest I could. You might have read uh, my work or heard me referenced in just about any Cleveland sports site that covered the Guardians and or the draft when it came to baseball. And uh, I was on drive time radio in pretty much every major city outside of New York and Cleveland. So for whatever reason, just didn't have the connections here, though I did do a few shows. Uh, Mark Schwab was my first ever radio appearance back nearly a decade ago. So uh, if Schwab ever comes upon this, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I would go on to do about 100 more, but I always remember Mark Schwab as being the one who gave me that opportunity. Today's show, college baseball heavy, okay? We got the lockout. It's a disaster show and a half, but let's stay positive. Let's enjoy college baseball. I've been leaning into it a lot. We're going to continue to lean into it. We're going to talk about a former Indian whose son generated a lot of news this week. Uh, all, all positive, but uh, probably more than he would have typically. We're going to get into that. We're also going to talk about the matchup this week. It should be no surprise uh, for anyone who's paying attention to college baseball. And I'm going to explain why, even though Vandy is the big name, Vanderbilt is, you know, one of the programs for all of college baseball. Oklahoma State is the team I am more interested in seeing. I'm going to go against the grain. But before that, let's just take a moment here. And, oh, technical difficulties. Sorry, take a moment. And... On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, sorry, getting used to things. Out of habit. Have not done a video podcast since the summer uh, when I did one with Caleb. When we had Caleb and Pat still on the show. Uh, Pat, if you're watching, congrats. I saw you got a new side gig. Very worthwhile to always go check out Tangible Uno. Uh, Pat and Caleb's doing some great work at, um, I can't remember which college in Pennsylvania, but if you ever listen, Caleb, he's not a Guardians fan, so he may not tune back in, but I wish them both well in their continued endeavors. I also want to take a moment and say thank you to uh, for you, specifically the listener, A, the Lockdown Guardians team, who got us into the top 50 baseball podcasts before we the lockout occurred who have consistently supported us three reviews away from 100 on iTunes. Let's get us there. Let's get over that mark. And if you're listening at home, if you're you know not checking out the video yet, please also subscribe to the YouTube channel. That helps me out as well. Once we can get over a certain threshold and you know, it, it adds more revenue to the podcast, which then makes it easier for me to do. I mean, it makes it easier for anyone when you have better rewards, right? But I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen, wherever it is you get podcasts free and available every day. I know it's three days a week during the off-season and the lockout, but you know what I mean. Go check it out. Uh, and remember, download daily. That really helps. Now that I've done all of that, let's get into why you tune in. Let's get into me discussing players, prospects, news, and the like. So this week, a big story, it felt like, or a bigger story than it maybe I, I expected it to be, was the announcement of Karsten Sabathia committing to Georgia Tech. Now, it was a little bit unusual, that he committed 
like this late as a player who is draft eligible this year. Normally those guys commit like as sophomores uh, or juniors. Also want to apologize, take a moment. Uh, any weird cuts, edits, uh, video software, not my forte. Uh, but normally we see guys commit very young. Baseball players commit young and they often don't switch. There's an unwritten rule about that you you know they they don't it's not like football there's not this gamesmanship guys commit and players stay that's just how it works in this case you know Carson submitted or submitted committed late relative to all things he's a very good prospect uh, built like dad six foot four two forty powers the calling uh, card there or the expectation of power now it's interesting that like the athletic wrote a whole piece and I saw another whole piece and I saw my Twitter blow up about it now. There's a lot of sons in this draft class. Uh, Andrew Jones's son is one of the five best prospects in this class. Carl Crawford's son is one of the top 35 for me best prospects in this class. And those are just guys off the top of my head. MLB.com, Mayo and Callis are, you know, to me, they're as good as it gets. It's like you put them up there with Carlos, my buddy, Burt Granger. I mean, to me, the, my favorite is, is Brian Sikowski, a perfect game. Brian just, he, he's got encyclopedic knowledge. He's the guy. He's the go-to. Uh... Callis and Mayo, Carlos, Burke, those guys are all kind of like just in that, that. There's a tier. Those guys are all in that tier for me, and I'm sure I'm forgetting someone, and I apologize now. But what Callis and Mayo do as a two-man job is unbelievable. I think, though, that even they would admit that there's a degree with their draft board of it being a consensus board. Because you can only do – I did the two-man job with my good buddy Taylor Blake Ward back when we were at Scout, and you do. You listen to people. You have scouts who are passing you info. You have agents who are passing you info. Uh, everyone has a reason for it. And like, you know, a scout, often a scout's trying to tell me about a guy uh, that they're hoping will hide. Uh, I mean, but then again, I've had, I had a scout for the Pittsburgh Pirates put me on Connor Grams when Connor Grams was barely pitching at Xavier uh, as he was a draft eligible sophomore, former wrestling champ who could throw really hard. And it was just interesting that like, why are you giving me this info? Uh, so sometimes they give you info. I think it's just so like later on, you know, if they can circle back and be like, no, I was on that guy. This person can back me up. Sometimes they give you info. Agents love to give you info, but you, you do get it from all sorts of uh, places. So, but, you know, the point here is it's a consensus board. It's what they are hearing often. You know, it's not to say they don't have favorites that they rank higher or lower, but there's a degree of consensus in that board. That's my view. Maybe I'm wrong. I say this because uh, Karsten... Uh, Sabathia the third, Sabathia, ADD person here. Uh, if you're watching for the first time, pronunciation huge issue. I always apologize. I work on it. Got my good buddy uh, Andy over on Twitter gives me pronunciation fixes. Thank you, Andy. I always appreciate it, uh, and I do mean that. It's not uh, me being facetious. I I need those. I need the visuals. It helps. But he is not a top 100 prospect on the MLB board. Part of that is positional value. Uh, one of the things I've always talked about is. Making the MLB draft like the the NFL draft, giving it in terms people know. People have known the NFL draft uh, for so long. You know, it's like uh, talk about the fact if you sign a player under slot, it's essentially like trading down. It's the equivalency of you're moving that money later so you can get a higher value player later in the draft that you might not have been able to get uh, if you didn't have that money to spend. So it's a trade down. Uh, first base prospect, and that's what what Karsten is. He's a first baseman. Uh, more than likely, and first baseman can go high. I mean, in three years, Brooks, uh, not Brooks Lee, Brooks Lee is the, uh, uh, the shortstop from Cal Poly. Jacob Berry is the probably uh, the LSU slash former Arizona player who's a third baseman, but I think most people expect him to be a first baseman who's like consensus a top five talent. 
first baseman can can go very high in the draft. But when you're looking at the overall positional value, they're like the offensive guard. That, that's what you're looking at. These guys go lower just based on positional value. And, you know, that there's nowhere else for them to go. If you draft a shortstop, they move everywhere. You move them to third base, to outfield, to second. Some move, uh, you know, to catcher or first base. Not as common, but you never know where a guy's going to end up. Because normally a high school team, where do you put your best athlete? Shortstop. Where do you put your best player? Shortstop. So we see that happen a lot. In this case... There's some issues, you know, high school first baseman don't go super high. Last one I can really think of, and I'm probably forgetting someone, uh, Josh Naylor of the now, now of the Cleveland Guardians. He's mostly played outfield for the Guardians. He was a surprise, uh, like 11th or 12th overall, I want to say to the Marlins. Even back then, that was viewed as an overdraft. That's just facts. Not to like knock him, but he was not viewed. He was viewed as like a late first, second round type of guy. So the Marlins really fell in love with him and drafted him there. But you just don't see, and then part of the surprise was high school first baseman that high. So that's part of the reason that uh, Karsten is so much lower on this list and why he didn't, well, not even lower, he didn't make the top 100. Uh, But even though he's not a top 100 prospect, even though Georgia Tech is a good, not great program, unless it's your catcher, uh, they've got another one of those this year. They got one every year. I love uh, Georgia Tech and catching, but it's a solid program with a player who's not a big draft player famous dad which is why he got the article but with nothing to talk about in baseball that story caught fire and like i said you saw i saw a whole thing on the athletic about it who don't do a ton on the draft uh, i enjoy keith i think keith is great i love that keith has his own thoughts is not afraid to express them melissa lockhart was my editor when i was the draft guy at scout and she is she knows her stuff she is an amazing writer and she is maybe the kindest person I've ever met in this industry. Melissa is utterly fantastic. I will never say a bad thing about her. And I don't want to put a butter and there. I just want to say like, Melissa's great, plain and simply end of story. But Melissa and Keith are the only ones who cover the draft for that site. And they don't go, Melissa does maybe the most per capita articles on the draft throughout the year. She was, she picked up last year and started doing like every other week, I want to say, and those were must-reads. Go check those out if you have The Athletic. But they don't do a ton in general on the baseball draft. You have those two writers that really stand out for me in terms of having read their content as a subscriber. And they still wrote this article because there's so little to do with baseball. People want to avoid the negativity that is currently inherent when we get into baseball due to this lockout. So it was interesting to see everything that was written about uh, Karsten Sib- Sib- pronunciation not my forte. We're going to move past it in this situation. Everything that was said uh, and written because people were just desperate to write about something positive and fun. You know, the son of a future Hall of Famer, I think, uh, who's, you know, was in New York and was a big figure there. And in Cleveland, he, you know, was one of the best pitchers of my lifetime. If I'm making an all-time Indians rotation, he's in it and from my lifetime. And I see why that was written. And again, a real prospect. This wasn't a, a fluff piece. He's a real prospect. Just positional value moves a player like him naturally down. I think he goes to Georgia Tech. I don't think he really. I don't think he's someone who's going to be uh, drafted necessarily high enough to sign away. And I think he goes there. He could play really well. And again, we get a few years might be talking about him as a potential first round pick. Uh, so I also don't want to be seen as dragging him down through this. But I think it's just fun to check out, interesting to look at, and as everything kind of drags on. Uh, it's it's always fun to follow the kids of the guys you followed when you were younger. I mean, I got, I said, 700 episodes of this show. In the early goings, I've made many a trade offer 
on this very podcast for Jose Martinez. Why? Because he was Carlos Martinez's son. He was also really productive in those early years with the Cardinals uh, and had multiple years of team control and uh, was a butcher in the outfield. And, you know, essentially before, was it before Fran Mill, I was, you know, doing trade offers for Jose Martinez. Uh, but, you know, part of the value to me inherently was his ties to the to the Cleveland uh, Guardians organization. So those are always fun. You don't get to see um, Karsten this year at Georgia Tech, but you would get a chance to see him next year. Having said basically all there is to say in this situation about this, let's take our break. Let's come back, and I'm going to explain why Vandy might be like the name in college baseball. They might be the Alabama of college baseball, but why Oklahoma State is the team I am much more interested in in the big matchup this upcoming weekend. Let's first take this quick sponsor break and talk about my favorite sponsor, BuiltBar.com. So I had the white chocolate bar for breakfast today. Uh, It's like white chocolate dipped cheesecake, I think, or for lunch, I should say. I had two of those for lunch. Yesterday, I had three of the Built Bar minis, uh, double dark chocolate was my lunch. I have a Built Bar every day. That is, I am that person. I eat this product. I enjoy this product. I love this product. And one of the fun things is they're always changing up what's available. They just dropped mint marshmallow. They just dropped strawberry back in there. Churro, banana cream pie, Oreo, which they call white chocolate cookies and cream, coconut marshmallow, ruby chocolate, and lemon dip cheesecake are all some of the specialty flavors that are currently available at BuiltBar.com. And the thing I always tell you is go look at what's on sale. Because we have the promo code LOCK15. That saves you 15% on your order. That's pretty good, right? Saving 15%. But if you want to go get Caramel Almond Delight, by the way, I bought that in my last order. I enjoyed it. I ran out of those before I ran out of the white chocolate one. I liked it more. Uh, that's on sale, and eggnog's on sale. So each time that happens, you can go over to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off of a sale price. Double down on your savings at BuiltBar.com, and that promo code is LOCKED15. Okay, so there's... College baseball. We have baseball that will be entertaining and fun to watch, and it starts tomorrow. Uh, there are, I think, only two matchups that feature two of the top 25 teams. One of them is uh, Mississippi State versus Long Beach State, and then the big one, which I've already talked about, is number seven Oklahoma State at number three, or versus number three Vanderbilt. Now, Vanderbilt is the big name. You know, they had Rocker and Lighter a year ago. They don't have Rocker this year. Carter. I believe um, Carter Young, no, yeah, Carter Young. Why am I having a hard time remembering players? Not to be confused, I was thinking of um, the high school kid, Carter. Um, why can't I not think what his name is? Or not Carter, oh, there it is, Cole Young. So there was uh, last names I was confusing, not firsts. But when you get down to, you know, Carter Young's kind of their big name prospect, uh, the shortstop. Some places are really high on him, some not as high. Uh, but he is an interesting player, that is for sure, to check out. You know, I was just realizing and when I was going to talk about the famous sons, I forgot about Cam Collier and Lou Collier. But, I mean, Vandy is a well-built team. They are always loaded. They always have prospects for days. They are highly successful as a program. Having said all of this, man, Oklahoma State is interesting. Uh, this is a team that, in terms of their pitching staff, like, I mean, I had kind of forgotten all the guys that were there. I'll be honest. Their pitching staff alone has, they had two players taken in last year's draft on day three. Then there is, let's see, one, two, three players that were um, drafted out of high school. 
Uh, and one of them, I mean, I wasn't really going to even talk about Hugh Morrill, who was a 36-round pick in 2018 by Anaheim. He only threw 3.2 innings last year. Chance of injury there? Honestly, I didn't go that deep because I want to talk about the other arms, the guys who stood out, the guys I've been thinking about for years or following for years, and one of them was a guy who wasn't even drafted. Uh, do we start three three pitchers, four pitchers really, and then one bat uh, that I want to spend some time with talking about here with Oklahoma State? And it's just the should we talk about the who performed the best? Who is the guy? Like if you are a Guardians fan, you should probably pay attention to, and that's Justin Campbell, who's six foot seven and threw a, uh, a no hitter last year, I believe. I don't think it was a perfect game. I think it was just a no hitter that he threw. It's not the even though he's a big guy at six foot seven, it's not like he's a, an overpower thrower. He's more of a low nineties guy. Two uh, solid secondary pitches. He's been a two-way guy in college. Let's see, how many at-bats did he have last year? It was not a ton. He had, but still, 67 at-bats. He played some games at first base. Uh, he was up for the uh, John Olerud Award for, you know, best two-way players. But last year as a pitcher, as a, a quote-unquote freshman uh, for them, I believe he's one of those guys who missed out on some of his uh, 2020, you know, season with the COVID situation. So he's a a freshman, but it's a freshman with that COVID year tacked on, you know, the bonus year of eligibility, which is why he's been three years out of high school. But again, to focus in on him just in terms of performance and why he's a guy that you want to pay attention to, if you're a Guardians fan, is he fits their MO, very much so. Uh, so he had a strikeout per nine last year of 10.93, a walk per nine of 2.89. And in terms of his age, he just turned 21. So he's, you know, in the right age range. Drafted by the Houston Astros back in 2019 in the 18th round. Didn't sign. But the strikeout rate of almost 11 with a walk rate under three. He didn't get hit hard. Uh, he was really effective. Has a solid three-pitch mix. Six foot seven, personally, always makes me nervous. Now, I know people like to look at a guy who's that big and, like, big power arm, and it's a, a benefit. Guys who are six foot seven, health issues. Like once you get over like six foot five, we tend to see more health issues and sometimes mechanical issues as well. Uh, there's been no sign of that with Crawford. I mean, with Campbell, I apologize. Oh boy, uh, I'm just gonna blame it on the nerves of the first time using a completely new software to try to do a podcast here. But when it comes to Justin Campbell, big guy doesn't have any of those normal things we would kind of be concerning or worried about in terms of a guy with his size. The curveball is what stands out. The fastball, you know, you hope maybe you can add a little bit more to it. Let's be honest. Uh, he's more of a low 90s guy, but he fits what the Guardians like. And he's probably going to be their Friday starter. I assume he's going to be who's going to pitch tomorrow. I plan to watch this game. And I'm very intrigued to see if he can find that next level, if he can level up, as it were. The walk rate, the strikeout rate, he is a Guardians type to a T. I could see him being a second round pick. Let's put that. I don't know if he's going to, I mean, if he comes out and he's added a few miles an hour to his fastball and he's more of a mid instead of a low 90, I mean, he's like, I think he's topped out at like 93, 94. Uh, so that holds him back a bit. But teams, they like size, even if it's for me personally, a concern. Uh, like I'd, I'd almost rather a guy be 6'2 than 6'6. Like that's against the the type, but that's kind of how I look at things. But again, healthy profile, misses a lot of bats and does not walk anyone. Another really interesting player on this staff is Bryce Osmond, who was in that same recruitment class, and he was drafted, let's see, he was a 35th round pick in the 2019 draft. Osmond was a guy who was a borderline first round talent, first, second round talent, depending on how you wanted to look at it. 
at uh, when he was coming up, when he was a, a high school player at a Jinx. That's right. He was Jinx High School. And he was just one of the many like good right-handed pitchers in that class. I have to go back and look at my notes to see exactly where I had him ranked. But I did have him ranked. That was back when I'd go to like my top 101 or 100 and so. But yeah, so we would have, I had him in there. He's a really interesting player. He only threw 57 innings a year ago, 10 starts, three games in relief. Uh, strikeouts, 10.58, but the walk rate was a 5.21. So there was some control issues with him. Uh, you're seeing if he takes a step forward, what he does. I assume he's probably going to set up to be their Saturday starter. And then Sunday starter is interesting because you've got, you know, the transfer who probably is the higher rated guy in most places, Victor Medeiros, who had some first round talk as a, another, um, he was a 2020 kid. I think he's a, like, so he's a true draft eligible sophomore this year. He was old for the class, but he had some late run in that class because he could, he could really sling it. The problem, of course, now has been he went to University of Miami. He transferred to Oklahoma State. Make sure I put the state in there so I don't get in trouble. But even at the Cape, he had some issues with command. Uh, it is He worked out of the pen. He worked as a starter. I don't know if um, – should pull up his exact numbers here. You know, I don't know if they plan to have him as a starter, if he's going to be a Tuesday guy, if he's going to be a Sunday guy, if they're going to kind of balance out between four guys or so on their pitching staff. He was a the, Oklahoma State was very active in the uh, the transfer portal this year, uh, adding Medeiros, adding uh, Griffin Dorshing, who goes went to the high school that I teach at. Uh, you know they they were out there and they were in the Pulitzer last year. Forty four innings for Medeiros. You know didn't miss as many bats. Seven point one six strikeouts per nine. The walk rate was three point six eight. Home run rate of one point two three. It just wasn't super effective, but he was. 59th on Baseball America's Top 500 Prospects. You know, he was 34th on Perfect Games. That's for their high school prospects for Perfect Game. Still, he was a guy who had first-round, second-round chatter. And we'll see a starter, reliever. What he does will be interesting to see for Victor Medeiros this year at Oklahoma State. And before we get into a, a pitcher I've always been kind of intrigued by, um, even though when I talk about him, he runs kind of like opposite to everything I've already talked about uh, when I was talking about uh, Justin Campbell, but still an interesting player at Oklahoma State who is another player who's up for the rotation. We haven't even talked about maybe their top prospect, uh, a hitter on their squad yet. We're going to get into all that, come back, discuss in segment three of the show today. Let's take a moment here and talk about one of our great sponsors that helps this show go. Bet online. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to your favorite Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. So back in 2018, I must have, I feel like I was still talking with Taylor. I feel this maybe was Scout, uh, the last year at Scout, maybe it was the first year 24 7. Mitchell Stone was a guy that just intrigued me. Six foot nine, some places listed as six ten. I know everything I just said about mechanics of a six seven guy, and now we're talking about somebody who's six foot nine. 
but he was not a guy who threw hard. He was a guy with clean mechanics. Uh, he was like six foot nine, like two ten at the time. He's now listed at like six nine, two fifty five. Uh, was a you know he had an early run, and then leading up to his high school draft year, there wasn't much, and he would have been you know eligible last year. But I don't know if the demand was too high or if it was something else. Sorry, we uh, I had to do some rearranging of uh, things in general with the show for a second there and with family. And uh, I'm back. Sorry for the weird jump cut in the middle of the show there. Uh, talking about this team, talking about Mitchell Stone, he was just, when you get to a point where a guy is that big, when he is six foot nine, six foot ten in some places, and had good command and control as a, a prep player, uh, it just intrigues me. It's a look that players don't see. So it's the same way like when Sean uh, Jelly was with uh, Kentucky, who's now with the Giants. I've always liked him as a draft prospect. And he was a big guy. He didn't throw super hard, but he always had good mechanics and control and command. And you just he would miss more bats than you'd think he should because he just has a look that guys don't see. He just had a different, you know, you don't face a lot of guys. with. Plus, when you're that long, your arms are naturally very long. gives you a late release point. Makes your pitches harder to pick up. So you look at a Mitchell Stone, who's a lefty, who's that big and long. Now he is 23. He is an older player. You know, even though this will be his his true senior year, he's been draft eligible. I believe he would have been draft eligible even after the. Uh, I'm sorry. This is his COVID senior year because he didn't play at all in 2020. Uh, you know, those first few years, he's been draft eligible a lot. But I'm still intrigued. You know, four innings as a freshman, 27 innings in 2019. Didn't pitch at all in 2020, assuming injury. I can't remember the specifics now off the top of my head. Last year, though, the walk rate has gone down from six to four and a half to a little over three. Strikeout rate that first year, again, in four innings. You can't really take too much from it. But the strikeout rate increased to 9.49 this past year. It's always fun to try to do video with family in the house back so Mitchell Stone was intriguing for that reason he's a big guy he is older he's a senior sign uh, at his age with him turning he's gonna be 24 in May right yes uh for a guy who's gonna turn 24 in May who's a swift year in college who I mean he might I don't know how that works if you miss that year due to injury I don't know if he is freshman year with only the four and a third innings if he was Redshirt that year, could he come back at age 24 and pitch? Maybe. But when we're looking at what he is as a potential senior sign for a team, he's interesting. He shouldn't be a big money guy. Uh, He should be kind of a lower, you know, 10, 15 grand type who gives you a look that uh, you just don't have in most organizations with his size. So that's why he kind of intrigues me. I assume he will kind of be... um, their Sunday starter. I assume, like I said, Medeiros will probably get some of those. Um, they'll need a Tuesday starter at points, things like that. But I assume that those four players you talked about will be their top four pitchers. And that's a really interesting group in general. And it's also fascinating for me, just in terms of, you know, looking at Oklahoma State's depth and also being like, why did Medeiros transfer there when they've got like three, you know, guys who are all um, names in their own right to various degrees? But talking about all of those players over there at Oklahoma State, I haven't talked about probably their top draft eligible player this year. That's Nolan McLean, who uh, is a third baseman for them. He is going to 
turned 21 in July, so he's going to be a uh, draft-eligible sophomore. He was also a reliever for them through uh, two innings last year. But he, as a freshman in 39 games, 137 at-bats, 236 average, 410 on base, 526 slugging, 8 home runs, uh, 10 doubles. Uh, You're a walk percentage at 15, a strikeout percentage at about 29. You're kind of hoping that he... You know he gets more opportunities this year. You, well, you you know he will, and that there will be a little bit more power will come out of that bat for them. You know he's viewed as a guy with like sixty grade potential. Uh, you know, he's an excellent athlete. I think he was a football player, maybe even a quarterback back in the day. One of those types. Now, quarterbacks actually have uh, you know I, I've seen some pieces on this the. The translation rate has not been great on quarterbacks to baseball for whatever reason. I don't know if it's that you need to focus on that position so much that other skills get neglected. But still, when you see that, you know you're seeing a top-shelf athlete playing a position. I'm very curious to see what he does. The power was pretty obvious. He has the potential to be a middle-of-the-order bat for them right now at Oklahoma State. There's the arms. There's Nolan McLean. Very fun team to check out. Not to say the Vandy isn't good. There's a reason why they're the third-ranked team in the country. But I've been watching Vandy for years. I know most of those players. I've seen most of those players. I am curious if Carter Young will take a step. Uh, if he can break the bad luck that has been haunting Vandy hitters for years. Or if he won't. But Oklahoma State is definitely, to me, the more interesting team in this matchup. And the team I will be excited to check out and look at. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked On Guardians podcast. I want to thank you for listening, rating, and reviewing. And remember, if you're listening to this, go subscribe to the YouTube. Help me out. Uh, And as we end every episode now, go, go, Guardians, go.